superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Bob, Susie wanted to send my best. So I love you. Right Give my love you. to Susie. That's love another you. one. I want her to know that I'm in love with her. <laughs> I love you, Bob Saget. I love you, Rich Eisen. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Jackpot, baby! Let's go to Cincinnati! And the Steelers are headed for playoff land. The Indianapolis Colts who were thinking about the playoffs, that is over now. The Jags win this thing 26-11. to Today's guests, host of Peacock's Pro Football Talk, Mike Florio, actor Joe Manganiello, plus your phone calls and more. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Oh boy, uh, do we have a lot to talk about on this three-hour program here on the Rich Eisen Show. Uh, this could be one of those proverbial six hours we could fill. There's only three, so... Um, we're thrilled to have him, and we're thrilled that you be here with us here uh, on the Rich Eisen Show here on NBC Sports on Peacock, NBC Sports uh, Audio, Sirius XM Channel 85. We say hey to anybody who's streaming us on Odyssey, anybody who's listening to us on a Rich Eisen Show terrestrial radio station smart enough to have this program. Also, our uh, YouTube watchers, youtube.com slash Rich Eisen Show. Anybody that listens to us on a podcast, the Rich Eisen Show podcast, uh, we we appreciate you doing that, and uh, we say hello, Chris Brockman. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you, Rich. What's up, buddy? Mike Del Tufo, DJ Mikey D. Good to see you, Rich. And then TJ Jefferson, everybody. TJ Jefferson holding up. How One about them Cowboys? One more time. One more time. You know okay, very saying. very good. Lots happened between now and Saturday night. That's for sure. Uh, let's just, you know, it's. Let's start with this. Part of Friday's program, I said, you know what? This is the first ever week 18 of a regular season where there's a 17th regular season game. There used to be week 18s. Remember they had two bye weeks, weeks. right? So, But this is the first week 18 where there's a 17th regular season game being played by everybody. Okay. And I I said going into the weekend, you know, I just don't know how we're going to come out of it because what if somebody gets hurt significantly? And then we'll be talking about player safety issues. And then going in, there were a handful of games where people are playing out strings and, you know, and and there wasn't an, anything on the line for both teams or one team and people are sitting, you know, the Bengals and the, the Browns wasn't Burrow versus Baker. It was... Allen versus Keenum. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, then, <laughs> yeah. and so I'm like, will we come out of this saying, was week 18 worth it? <laughs> Honestly, that was the way I was going into it. Yeah. 
And I will just say this to start. Week 18 of the 2021 NFL regular season was the most exhilarating week of football I have been a part of, I have watched in the 18-plus years that I have been doing this professionally for NFL Network. That was off the charts, and it included that Saturday doubleheader where the Chiefs needed a huge defensive play of Melvin on Melvin violence, Ingram on Gordon, to turn that game around. True that. The Dallas Cowboys playing all their starters deep into the night, even though the game was pretty much over with that two-score flurry right before halftime and Dak setting records and Zeke's getting his 1,000 yards. And you're wondering, what are we doing here? It's personal. And then Sunday hits. Oh, my God, <laughs> did Sunday hit. And we saw the Steelers and the Ravens battling it out, and Big Ben's last game is a Steeler, unless they could make the playoffs. And we walked everybody through nonstop last week because Brockman, you fell in love with this idea. I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. You were just went head over heels in love with the idea that if the Steelers win and the Colts somehow lose to the Jaguars, even though the Jaguars have beaten them every year since 2014, you know, which was the last time the Colts won there, that if that happened, it would set up the Sunday night winner go home, winner goes in, loser goes home, Chargers at Raiders game for a tie that would put both of those teams in and send the Steelers home. You fell in love with that idea. Obsessed. And and we <laughs> talked about it with Brandon Staley, the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, because when it first started getting discussed last week, the concept was both teams would <laughs> get together on a Zoom or, you know, Basachi would call up Staley and Mayock would call up Telesco and say, how about we just kneel <laughs> for three and a half hours in front of the national television audience how we just we just do nothing right they had clarence beaks like yeah know, with the passing. crop report <laughs> sneaking in, in the garage in the right the and um and so for that craziness to happen though the steelers would have to win and the colts would have to lose and the colts were just two weeks ago the proverbial team you don't want to see in the playoffs and now, after this crazy week 18, they're the team that nobody is seeing in the playoffs because everything that we talked about played out and watching <laughs> it all play out throughout the day was wild. Wild. Where the Steelers and the Ravens went to overtime. And the same scenario that we were talking about that could play out in Vegas about one team gets the ball first, they score a field goal or don't score at all, then the next team gets the ball, and then they either score a field goal to match or don't score at all, and there's only that small time left. What do you do when it's beneficial to both teams' time? In Baltimore, though, it was the death knell if there was a tie. Both would have been out if there was a tie. Okay? As a matter of fact... Here's the crazy thing. 
if both teams had tied, it would have clinched a playoff spot for the Raiders on the spot. They would have walked in the Sunday night football game having clinched a playoff spot had the Ravens and Steelers tied. And at the same time, we're just watching that slow motion fever dream car crash in Jacksonville play out for the Indianapolis Colts, where Carson Wentz hadn't thrown an interception all season long on the road, and he started turning it over like he was back in Philadelphia in the second (laughs) half. And then Jonathan Taylor, who couldn't be stopped all season long, stopped on the one-yard line when they try to get it in. And one thing after Darius Leonard called for a 15-yard, you know, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty or a personal foul penalty. It's just one thing after another. Colts lose. Big Ben pulls it out of his you-know-what to set up the Steelers for a game-winning field goal with hardly any time left, including a fourth down throw over the middle to McLeod. Ray Ray and Pookie and all them, you got it done. <laughs> nice. Shout out to Stu Scott. <laughs> it's the first thing I thought last night. I mean, night. all of it happened. In, right, right. It was incredible. <laughs> At the same time that the Titans, who took a 21-0 lead on Houston, essentially wrapping up the one seed because the Chiefs win on Saturday. It was so wild. Forced Tennessee to have to win. Houston comes back because Amendola Palooza burst out. And Davis Mills, who had the second-best rookie quarterbacking season of anybody else other than Mac Jones, he was balling out. He got 300 yards and three touchdowns, and Amendola's going crazy. Twice the Texans made it a one-field goal game. Titans pulled that out, so they secure the one spot as the Colts are out, and the Steelers are through. And that sets up the Sunday night game, but before that, Football gods are like, well, let's send another rivalry game in which it's all on and cracking for both teams, including one that needs to make the playoffs. Let's send that one to overtime, even though it didn't look like the Rams and Niners were going to go to overtime when Cooper Cup grabbed one in the back of the end zone and then they got the ball back. And then the 49ers had... A wild third quarter before that. It was 17-0. They had a wild third quarter, tied it, because it was 17-3 right before the end of the half. Robbie Gold's kicking field goals and punting, while the Arizona Cardinals need the Rams to lose and them to win in order to win the NFC West after all, and they're tied with the Seahawks until the Seahawks just shoved the door shut right on Arizona. The Seahawks, who couldn't do a damn thing all year on offense, it seemed. Russ and Pete cooked with two straight wins at the end of the season with 89 combined points on the board. Where was that all year? That happens as the Saints are smoking the Atlanta Falcons, even though Taysom Hill has a Liz Frank injury in the middle of the game. Trevor Simeon's got to come back in. He's throwing darts in the end zone. So with the Saints absolutely winning this game, the Niners down seven with 88 yards to go and no timeouts left and 87 seconds on the clock needing to score a touchdown to stay alive. They did it in 61 seconds. (laughs) They tie the game. We go to overtime. They get the ball first. They get three, and then Matthew Stafford throws the interception and the game, and that's how the Niners get through. 
And you're sitting there thinking, how will this affect the NFC? Because I'll tell you what, Green Bay and Tampa Bay, those two bays, they want no piece of the Niners. They'd rather have the Saints and Trevor Simeon get through, even though the Bucks have their problems with the Saints. Niners could have been out. Rams could have knocked the Niners out, put themselves in the two seed to welcome Trevor Simeon to their house. Instead, it's going to be a Monday night football game, Rams-Cardinals 3. But they're both through and all that. We're watching Tampa struggle with Carolina while all that happened. While at the same time, the AFC East is playing out. The Jets are giving the Bills a run for their money, even though they had five first downs on the day. And then the Dolphins are doing their thing against New England in the last week of the season, which is to beat them up. And then New England made a furious run at the end, but the Dolphins still sweep the Patriots. And then we learned today, not good enough to keep their coach. I mean, oh my God. And I haven't even hit what happened on Sunday night. Let's hit that, folks. You play to win the game. I've heard that from my coach back in the day, Herman Edwards. You play to win the game. Hello, right? And we talked about it all week long, and it freaking happened. It went to overtime, (laughs) even though at one point the Raiders were up 12. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the world, with them up 12, how in the world is this game possibly going to be tied? Right? Touchdown. Jeffrey tweeted it out. I didn't know that. He tweeted out with the, with the Raiders up 12. It looks like the Steelers are in the playoffs. Well, as we all know, <laughs> Al Michaels even said that. He goes, but you never know. Right. And then Daniel Carlson kicked a field goal to make it 15. And as soon as I heard that, I'm like, that's two touchdowns with one two-point conversion. <laughs> and, oh, my gosh, this is possible. Even though the Raiders looked stout, even though the Chargers, I mean, my gosh, Brandon Staley going for it on his own 18-yard line on fourth down, it would make even the most inveterate gamblers on the Las Vegas Strip blanch and wince at that gamble, at that roll of the I don't even, it's not on the pass line, it's not on the dope pass line, I don't know what line it's on. (laughs) It it certainly was just, I, I couldn't believe that was happening. But even with all that, Chargers come with a 14-play, 75-yard drive, and then go for two there. And then go for two there. Which, which why? Here's the reason why. I have had so many conversations with coaches and analytics and folks. Coaches want to know now, rather than with 30 seconds to go, if they need two possessions. They want to go for it now because you can get it now and then know the rest of the way that you just need one score rather than wait to the very possible end, go for two, not get it, and learn with 30 seconds left, I need to have one more possession. Now you got to onside kick it. That's what they'd rather. They'd rather know what they need to know than rather have this known unknown, to use the Rumsfeld phrase, hanging over the balance of the rest of the game. There's only four minutes left. But they got it. They got the two, and then they get the ball back. And in the same way that the Niners needed to score to keep their season alive and have only 87 seconds to go 88 yards and did it in 61 seconds, 
The Chargers went on their 83-yard, two-minute and six-second drive, and they took 19 plays to do it, including a handful of fourth-down conversions and stoppages for replays. I mean, Steelers fans who were hoping that the Chargers would not score because that would seal the non-tie result and get them in the playoffs, they were just losing their minds watching this all play out. And it was off the charts. It took two minutes and six seconds of game clock, but 20 minutes of real-time clock. Regulation of Sunday Night Football ended like a college basketball game. NBA Finals. Right? We're just like, timeout, timeout, timeout. We got three timeouts. Well, the booth is buzzing in. Well, it's fourth down. What are we going to do? It's, this thing's over. Nope, it's still going on. Wait, there's a penalty on the field. I mean, the number of times the Steelers were like, now nah, finally it's over. Wait a minute, what? Oh, my gosh. And then overtime hit, and exactly what we talked about, Chris, which is one team gets it, and then it's not over, and the other team gets it back. And they tie it up, or it's still not over. What happens when the last seconds are there and the team who has the ball is a decision? Do we take a knee on behalf of both of us, or do we try and spit our last breath at thee like the wrath of Khan? (laughs) And last night, with mere seconds to go and a third down, the Raiders are about to snap the ball and the Chargers burn a timeout. And I'm thinking to myself, what is this about? As we found out after the game, Brandon Staley wanted his best run defense or his run defense to his thought process, the best run defense to stop the ball there, to force a fourth down decision in which one would think The Raiders would punt it or run around and take a knee and the game would be over and they're both in. Instead, Josh Jacobs, against this run defense that Brandon Staley specifically wanted on the field, came with another terrific run. And they tried a field goal and won the game and got the Steelers in the playoffs, but more importantly, got the win for themselves. And this is where I want to linger for just a couple of more minutes. This is why we watch the NFL. This is why we love the NFL. Because everybody spills their blood and sweat and tears and figurative guts on a field to win. Al Davis never once in his life said, just tie, baby. (laughs) Never once. I'm feels safe and sane. And he may have been sitting from wherever he was watching that game last night saying, well, I'd rather screw the Steelers because of the immaculate reception. Well, I don't know. I kind of like screwing the Chargers too. One thing's for sure. Win it. Win it. And Rich Passaccia pushing buttons all year long in a manner in which he probably never dreamt he would have an opportunity of pushing. But what happened with Gruden, now it's a big yada, 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 but what happened with Gruden happened. Mayock puts this guy in, not Gus Bradley, who's got experience. Mayock goes, I'm going with the special teams coach, who Mayock called one of the best leaders he's ever been around. And this guy, who was there when Gruden suddenly 
poof, disappeared or was made to disappear. And then Henry Ruggs kills a woman behind the wheel of a car and their stretch the field receiver is poof, gone. And Arnett is doing whatever he's doing with guns and poof, he's gone. And COVID hits and COVID hits the Browns and they have to force themselves to go in a different direction in terms of flying there and when they're playing. I mean, the number of buttons this guy had to push all year long decides we're going to win it. We're going to kick it. And that runs the risk of the Chargers blocking it and running it back. Or all of that stuff. He says we're going to win it. And just sticks it right into the gut of their AFC West rival. That's how you coach it and you play it. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. The whole idea of, well, you don't like us celebrating? Stop us. You don't like us doing it? Stop us. Taking a knee. Now, if they had stopped Josh Jacobs, does he try the 50-some-odd field goal? I don't know about that. Interesting thing, though, is Basaccia doesn't have to answer that question. And because of all these button pushes, he becomes the first ever interim head coach to coach a team that he's the interim for in the playoffs. That's never happened before either. What a week 18. Holy crap. I was so exhausted at the end of Sunday Night Football last Me too, night. man. Me too. And it was like week 18 would never end, and it just kept on giving all sorts of interesting questions to be asked of coaches yep. and also interesting questions to be asked of us as fans as to what we're hoping for or rooting for. Steelers fans, they, I mean, the minute they beat the Ravens to the point where they knew they were finally in, that had to feel like... <laughs> The, what I tweeted out, that old woman from Titanic, it's been 84 years. That's what it was. It had to feel like. The old woman from Titanic. And all the Steelers players, players' tweets of just like, we just want to make it. Like, just let us in. Oh, yeah. And the Niners, think about who's going to be hoisting that trophy up the, up the field, up the 405 from us, and how different that might have been if the Niners didn't make it. Niners, Cowboys, I mean, we're going to have so much to talk about. We come back, we'll talk about the news today because today is the first day of the offseason for um, every team that did not make the playoffs in the NFL. As you know, 14 make it. That means 18 did not. What next? Handful of firings. We'll talk about that. You call us at 844-204-RICH about anything on your mind. But I say, well done, Raiders. That's the way you play it. Just win baby mm-hmm. let's take a break back with your phone calls we've got mike florio top of hour number two joe manganello one of our favorite celebrity guests and Steeler friends we'll be talking about that and we will of course talk about the passing of bob saget throughout this three-hour show don't go anywhere but back with more on this busy monday Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about 
how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. I'll talk a little bit more about Bob later on, but he passed away at the age of 65. A stunning piece of news yesterday. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, 844-204-RICH is the number to dial. Um, okay, so uh, on our Peacock segments and uh, later on at the end of the show, uh, we're, been, we're gonna remember Bob Saget all day, who's been a, a, um, a friend of mine and Susie's for quite some time, and uh, also uh, sat in our, our, uh, our guest chair many times on this program. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial. Um, let's talk about the day after, right? The day after. We're going to have lots of time to talk about the playoff games that we now see. But the day after. Um, and it starts, as you know, as soon as a team is usually done. And that happened with the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos gave the Chiefs all they could handle, the proverbial all they could handle on, on, uh, on Saturday but came up short, and Vic Fangio, um, after three years on the job, defensive coordinator, longtime defensive coordinator in this league, finally getting a shot at the HC, very defensive-minded head coach, just uh, told it straight pretty much when um, he had his final press conference, and this is before he received what I think he knew was inevitable. Well, I mean, those other three teams have top-shelf quarterbacks, means in the, okay, which is obvious to everybody. Um, we just need to get a little bit better. A lot of the games, you know, we had a good game against the Chargers here in the first time. Last week was the COVID game. Uh, we had a tough day, close game with the Raiders the second time. Obviously, both games with the Chiefs, I think, were tight. You know, we're not quite there yet, but we're close. And I think the foundation is there for this franchise to close the gap and become more of a factor in this division. He also was pointing out that um, quarterbacks, as you see, the three other teams have quarterbacks. His quarterbacks in his three years that were the leading passers for the Denver Broncos, Joe Flacco, Drew Locke, and Teddy Bridgewater. Not going to win Super Bowls with those three guys unless you're the Ravens back, uh, you know, of uh, 2012, right? A while ago. So... um, but, of course, some of his problems were in his first year not really knowing when to challenge. He had problems about challenging all the time. Um, and then, you know, just sort of an old-school mentality. And what, if Brandon Staley is the guy who goes for it on his own 18-yard line on a fourth down in a do-or-die game, Vic Fangio is the guy who, figuring it's his last contest, it's uh, it's uh, fourth and long in the red zone down seven to Patrick Mahomes, he kicked a field goal and put his defense back on the field. And we all know what happened after that. They lost. Mahomes didn't give him the ball back. As soon as that happened, I'm like, that is just, 
You go out with your guns blazing. Just like, I, I don't trust Drew Locke, but this is the guy who I brought me here, and he's been lighting it up all day. Let's just go for it. And if not, then we'll play defense, and we'll have to score a touchdown. We're going for three right there. I mean, but hey, he is now available. If anybody wants a defensive coordinator, he's one of the best, period. And that might uh, be the, the choice of my college coach if he gets a shot, because don't forget who the D.C. in San Francisco was, and in Stanford before Jim got the job in San Francisco. I'll be uh, Vic Fangio. And maybe Chicago's a spot where Jim wants to go. Word is it's the Raiders. But uh, from all I hear is that Harbaugh wants to bring his own personnel people if he does go. And Chicago just blew everybody out today. Bears fans have been wanting Matt Nagy gone, but they've wanted Ryan Pace to go, and they were so nervous that the McCaskey family would only do half the job. And I know uh, a lot of other Bears fans want them to go further up the flow chart. I think Big Cat is going crazy on Twitter. He wants Ted Phillips gone, too. He wants them all out, as do a lot of Bears fans. But they got both today. The general manager, Ryan Pace, and Matt Nagy. And, you know, the story we all know about that scenario is Ryan Pace got, had the rare opportunity of drafting a quarterback that did not have a higher pedigree than other quarterbacks left on the draft board, and he went and traded up to get Trubisky with Deshaun Watson sitting on the draft board. And this is before Mahomes became Mahomes. The problem is Mahomes then did become Mahomes. And with all of that, and Trubisky clearly not as good as those quarterbacks, he got an opportunity to hire a coach and draft another quarterback. That doesn't usually happen for general managers. That's why they were all supposed to be needed to be all in this year on Justin Fields. And they went and got Dalton, even though they already had Foles. Spent $10 million on Dalton, they had Foles. And kept Foles around just, to, I guess, to beat Seattle this year and put the scare in Bears fans one last time as they almost won their last three. But the writing was on the wall the minute they drafted Fields, and it was obvious that Fields was either A, not ready, and B, they didn't have the horses around in order to evaluate him properly or protect him. And as a matter of fact, he couldn't finish the season healthy, and there were so many other issues about when to start Fields and when not. And now they're both out. No playoff wins. Zero. A couple playoff seasons, though. The double doink, we all know, really hurt. And that was Nagy's coach of the year year. But now the Bears are back to square one, and so are the Vikings. So are the Vikings. Yeah, we could see they, that coming. They, they went and got, I don't know, but Rick Spielman, too, has been with the organization since 2006. He's out, and Zimmer's out. And now the new GM and new coach will have Kirk Cousins earning $35 million guaranteed in his final year of his contract in year one. Who's going to take that gig? It's a good gig. A lot of talent on that team. Uh, there is. But you need a quarterback there. In Chicago, you're going to have to use the one that you got. In, in uh, Denver, you're going to need a new quarterback, too. Nope. The general manager's not going anywhere in Denver. And it's a whole new kit and caboodle 
in um, in the half of the NFC North. Congratulations, Dan Campbell's now the second most tenured coach in the NFC North. <laughs> <laughs> After what eight months on the job? After I, hey man, and <laughs> and the Lions, the Lions just they just kept on going. They only knew one thing, which was to take hunks and kneecaps yeah. out of the opponents all the way to the end. But we said it. Yeah, we said after that. week one they were going to play hard yep. and compete every week. And, and it was fun were, to watch. They were super entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. They got blown out by the Eagles, and then there was another blowout to the Seahawks. And other than that, not much. Did you see all the Tom trickery they were pulling yesterday with the flea flickers and it the flicker fleas and all that? Kind of the opposite of the Giants. <laughs> and that's where I want to linger a little bit in a second. Because there's always a surprise. And today's surprise was Brian Flores out in Miami. <laughs> Man. Three years, last two winning seasons. This year, the fact that it was a winning season is remarkable. They beat the Patriots in week one and then lost seven in a row and then became the only team in NFL history to then win seven in a row after losing seven in a row and then finished up with a sweep of the Patriots. And then today he's out. But Chris Greer, the general manager, stays. Stephen Ross the owner there said that there was communication problems that made him feel compelled to make this move. Keep the GM who drafted Tua over Herbert. And Ross said he's going to leave it up to the next head coach to decide what to do at the quarterback spot, whether it's go for Deshaun Watson or stick with Tua. This is what Stephen Ross had to say because everybody knows his name's all over the University of Michigan campus and Harbaugh's name's been all over the place as being interested in getting back in the NFL. First of all, let me be clear, it played no role in it at all. I have a lot of confidence in Tua and uh, I think, you know, the next head coach will work with him or whoever else, but I have a lot of confidence in him. I watched him grow. I think he's a fine young man. And, you know, he is right now the quarterback and, and will de- be dependent upon the new head coach. But I have a lot of confidence to him. So all the two and on folks can keep a candle lit in their front windowsill still. And, <laughs> and he said strong, that he's man. not going to be the one what? to take Harbaugh <laughs> off the campus at Michigan either is what he said. And again, it makes sense. I keep hearing that Harbaugh wants to bring his own personnel people and go to a spot where there's a quarterback who he likes. And that's why everybody talks about the Raiders because the Raiders were expected to blow everyone, including my buddy Mayock, out. And the question is, is well, they made the playoffs. Rich Bisaccia, they love him in that locker room. And Jacobs is the one who got that big run, and he was running like crazy all night. Two touchdowns from Hunter Renfro. Who was drafting him? Also, Max Crosby is a lead pipe-wielding A-list pass rusher. Game wrecker, defensive player of the year, future candidate. If not, some votes this year. Who drafted him out of Eastern Michigan? Who's the one who said, let's go with Basaccia? That's my guy, Mike, who I'll cape for all the time. And I know they made some mistakes, too. But I'll just say that's Scruton's fault. (laughs) And so let's talk about. And I so I, I have no idea where that came from with the Dolphins, and you could say this is dysfunction, and you you wouldn't be wrong because there was some dysfunction clearly if if people can't communicate properly, and stuff will come out, and we'll hear about it. And right now, though, the first blush it's it's the latest example of another Belichick assistant 
who installs the Belichick supposed way of uh, doing things without the trophies in the case to back it up. Without the ability to communicate with other people. And without the ability to win when it matters. Although Flores seemed to have that. Back-to-back winning seasons. Won eight of his last nine games. Like, But winning, unlike Joe Judge, who appears to have his job safely secured in New York despite a disastrous 2021 season. Disastrous season. I know the quarterbacks were not up to snuff and the rest of the team at Gettleman, Dave Gettleman, who was allowed to just retire and everything. I mean, Jerry Reese was kicked out in the middle of a season. He only won a couple championships there. But Gettleman had his farewell yesterday. He's still technically the uh, GM there. I don't know when they're going to make this announcement, but he's going to be out. The question is, what about Joe Judge? And Judge talks a very tough game. I mean, like he's in charge and he's large and in charge and the culture is not a problem and the other organizations are clown shows, but not his. And the clown show organization came in yesterday and beat the crap out of the Giants, who, again, I know Jake Fromm is starting and Mike Glennon, knock on wood if you're with me, Glennon (laughs) is, you know, not a starting quarterback in this league, and Daniel Jones got hurt, but he looked terrible all year long. Let's call it what it is. And then they fired Jason Garrett, and then Jones got hurt. There are reasons why ownership might sit there and go, well, circumstances were not Joe Judge's fault there. But this is professional football. And a third and nine happened late in the second quarter yesterday with the Giants inside their own five-yard line. And Jake Fromm got into what appeared to be victory formation because there were three other Giants behind him in a reverse wishbone. And I've never seen this. And I'm a 52-year-old man who's been watching Giants football forever from Staten Island, New York. And I'm a guy who's been with the NFL Network and ESPN before that. I've never seen what I saw on an NFL football field like this, which was them basically – Half kneel, half push, half quarterback sneak to just say, we don't have the horses at third and nine. We're not running the risk. Down three nothing with the coach's job on the line. And the coach talking such a tough game about the guys in the locker room and other guys outside the locker room still calling him because they want to come back because this looks so great. I mean... It's like Firefest, where, yeah, the island looks great, but we're serving up crappy sandwiches and tents, and we're making it seem like everybody wants to come here. They gave up on a third and long in a second quarter of a game. You're a professional football outfit. I don't care who your quarterback is. You should be able to run a play on third and nine. What, do you want to run the risk of a pick six and embarrass yourself? Because you're embarrassing yourself with that play call. What the hell was that? I've never seen that. And I don't know what he's telling John Mara today. But, and, and I know the Giants don't have 
the desire and they just it kills them that they'd be one of those teams that churns through coaches. But guess what you are? A team that churns through coaches. Bill Parcells told you about the man in the mirror decades ago. The man in the glass. That's his favorite traits. You are what you are. And what the Giants are is an organization that's churning through coaches. And the way that they do things is not the way that it works in the NFL. And what that is is the Giants' way. Hire somebody else, man. Don't call Belichick anymore. Don't call some search firm. I don't know what you do outside of reach out to somebody that you really respect that has not given you advice in the last five, ten years. Ben McAdoo. You got to be kidding me. All of it. I don't know how Joe Judge still has a gig today, and you know I don't talk like this about people's jobs ever. But that formation for the New York football giants yesterday is the definition of unacceptable. And I would call, if I'm an owner of a team, any coach onto the carpet to say, what are you thinking? I don't care. It's Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm played in the SEC. He should be able to make one third down throw. Attaboy. Well done. Great job, offense. You didn't turn it over. Is that really what's happening? With the season done? And a team that you called out is in your building? Wow. That was my... uh... Long-time listener, first-time caller from Staten Island segment of the day. I'll be careful because I have some other axes to grind, and that's coming up next. Oh, I can't wait. Fire Joe Judge is trending. I don't, and and, and I don't mean that he's a person with a family and a job and a history and a pride and a, but I just have to call it the way I see it. Let's take a break. Come back. Your phone calls, and then yeah, I I have something's been sticking in my craw for the last couple days, and I gotta I gotta. I have to address it. Might be awkward, but I'm going to do it. That's next. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Now, look, I spent much of my day on my phone. I know this. Look, and I, 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 I feel like part of my job is to make you feel like we're sitting here watching a game because I'm on Twitter and I like to talk about stuff in real time. And Twitter was amazing yesterday. Right, and it does allow me to stay and see what's going on in other places, which it kind of informs me for sitting here on this job. But I also sit there on my phone. As soon as a big play happens, you know what Cooper says to me? My 10-year-old says mm. to me, he goes, tweet, 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 tweet. That's what he says. He's making fun of you. He is? Oh, yeah. Tweet, 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 tweet. <laughs> That's what he says, but I'm like, I, I try to explain. I'm like, this is kind of work here, where I'm, I'm, I still have a, you know, a, a place here during real time to to be with you and give you my thoughts, and I, I do like mixing it up every now and then, but sometimes I'll, you know, I'll just say stuff in the moment, just commenting in the moment, and then somebody like 45 minutes later will be like, what a horrible take. That didn't last very long. You know what I mean? And it's just like, yeah, but I'm saying it in the moment. Right. And I just got to go, oh, my God. You know, like, it's a troll. You know, and just, that's what I tell you all the time, TJ, right? Like, just ignore the trolls, right? I don't want to, though. No, I know that, but it's just. <laughs> I so, trolled TJ yesterday. So, so, but, but it happens. It happens. And it's just like, I'm saying it in the moment. Like, you're just seeing it an hour later, or you're waiting till my tweet doesn't 
age well to respond. Okay, like I don't know which is worse. So perfect example, <laughs> Saturday night, Saturday night, uh, the Eagles tie the game with the Cowboys. It's 17 all. It's 17 all. And I tweet out Gardner Minshew and the Eagles are not, shorthanded Eagles are not here for your Cowboys rebounding to head into the playoffs with a head of steam storyline. That's what I tweeted out <laughs> because it was 17 all. At the time. A good game. And I thought, like, that's this is what I'm thinking at the time. And who? I said, hey, send. Two touchdowns later, four minutes on game clock later, Cowboys are up, and this thing's looking like it's a blowout for the Cowboys, which it turned out to be. So who's the troll? Who's the troll who hits me on Twitter to point out that it doesn't age well? That guy in the corner, TJ wow. Jefferson. I don't know if that's it. Hit it. Hit it. With this guy who's looking at his phone, Big like, Sean. yeah. That's Big Sean. Put some respect Big on his Sean, name. Big Sean, my bad. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Put Big Sean, like, oh, what's that? Yeah, okay. Now, I'm looking at what you said. 37 minutes later. 37 minutes later. Sorry, I, I wasn't watching Twitter all the time. I picked up my phone. It was there. Because, you know, on Twitter sometimes you could have a tweet from now, do you 20 think hours I'm, ago. Do you think I'm sending that out after Dallas takes a two-score lead? Do you really think I'm sending that out? I, I, honestly, I didn't look at the time. I looked at my phone and I saw it. And I was like, oh, okay. And then it, I don't wow. think that's a troll. In oh, my no, definitely troll, man. That's not a troll. That's just a, I'm responding to a tweet. How am I troll? A troll would be me going out of my way. Like, you are some, going out of your way. Uh, no, I'm not. It was there. What Mike does to me is trolling. I am a troll. Rich's tweet was at the top of my Twitter. I, I looked at it and went, oh, come on. I and sent again. You can see how much time had passed. I don't look at that, though. I just looked at the tweet. Trolling on me in my home. <laughs> in where my <laughs> children come and play with their toys. And say tweet, tweet, tweet. Shots fired through the window (laughs) from my own family. I mean, I don't. My own family. I don't consider that trolling. Okay. Oh, that is. Because it's just like, but you should know. You know what I'm doing. You know what I'm doing. And you know sometimes you point that stuff out. And 37 minutes later, somebody's sending me Big Sean. Mm. (laughs) Like, you know what you're talking about. (laughs) You with your. You with your <laughs> your years of experience. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Me with the personal knowledge of your clear lead pipe wheeling professional desire to have nuance in a world where there is none. That's what he sends. I saw that. I'm like, I immediately thought to myself, how do I handle this? So Wait, what I did TJ, was, you want nuance? I like him for nuance, yes. See, I, see, I did what I could only do which was market, send it to everybody else and say, we're talking about it on the show on Monday. <laughs> My own guy in the middle of all this. Look, uh, you are such a cowboy honk. Deep down, you can't get rid of that TJ Jefferson no, of the mid-90s to. who I'm, could not I, I, you're, you're figure right, out absolutely. how to live life outside of the Cowboys' wins and losses. No, I won't. And you're I, that guy, man. I'm not. But, I mean, you, you're, you're someone. You're not. Just look in the mirror. The same way I told the Giants look in the mirror. You yeah. are who you hey, are. But you are you're the one who was troll. talking about the Cowboys. I just responded it to your tweet. It was 17 all at That's the time. Fine. I didn't know that. I just saw the tweet, and I responded with a gif. That's yeah, hard. When the Cowboys yeah, like, were up two scores. It's like, think before you tweet. Uh, no, if I, I would no, 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 it was a, it was a gift. I didn't go on his page talking trash. This is the Rich Eisen Show. show.